0: Welcome to another episode of Coffee on the Couch. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, In our first video, we talked about our journey together, but mostly from a perspective of um, the parent. However, today we would like to talk a bit more about um, the whole process of uh, um, dyslexia and dyslexia assessments and things, but more from the child perspective. So, um, Christelle, if you could tell us a bit more about um, things that you can remember from before you were being diagnosed. Yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed
1: around the age of nine. Um, and I remember it being quite stressful being before being diagnosed. So um, we knew that there was something going on, but we didn't really specifically know what um so we had quite a lot of like gp appointments and um yeah things like being poked and prodded um <laughs> yeah i don't know i just felt like it was quite
0: stressful <laughs> well, they were pretty much here in tests and side tests so not not quite but... no but it just felt like it's yeah. interesting you say it because i think uh, as a parent you sometimes forget about the impact that those um, being dragged from test to test um, the impact that it has on your children so yeah it's quite interesting when you say it Um, but what about the assessment experience itself?
1: Um, So initially I was quite nervous going into it we didn't really Mm -hmm. know much about dyslexia or about the actual test and what it would be like Um, and yeah we were just quite nervous about the whole thing Um, and when we got there, like it was just so much different to, you know, all of these medical exams that we'd done up to that point. <laughs> I make it sound so much worse Vision than it actually is. <laughs> okay.
0: But as as <laughs> yeah. like
1: a little child, it was yeah. a lot more dramatic. It was
0: true and it was yeah. your that, that was my was experience your world and your experience yeah. and it was real to you. Yeah. So yes. Um, <laughs> it's not unvalidated.
1: But then going into the assessment, it was so much more different. It was so calm and, like, even just getting there and it was this lovely man that did my assessment. Um, we were in his living room and it was just so relaxed. And, like, I remember he had chocolate penguins. Uh,
0: <laughs> Do <And>, you remember well? <laughs> yeah! It was
1: so cute. Like, he just came up and was like, oh, would you like a chocolate penguin? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um so like it was just such a lovely environment, and it was so much more different to what the other experiences that I had up till that point. And actually understanding and knowing that I'm not, you know, dumb, <laughs> and yeah. understanding my brain, it was just so incredible. Like it was just, it was a
0: game changer. Mm. Useful, yeah. Now after that um you had a lot of support um and intervention being put yeah. in place in school so can you tell us about your experience of that okay so um in primary school
1: um we there was a lot of support um I had at least one on ones um with a um, dyslexia teacher, teacher. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> With a lot of one-on-ones with a specific teacher um, at least once a week. And um, she would help me through spelling tests and um, learning my maths and learning learning my phonics (laughs) and everything. And she was an absolutely lovely teacher and I absolutely loved my time with her. Um, But I it wasn't exactly that nice being dragged out of class Mm, especially Um, as you
0: got a bit older
1: yeah exactly like I was very much aware of the fact that I was missing out on things and um that there were like even with exams and stuff like whenever everyone else was talking about the exams that they did um then like the exam that I would do because I would be taken out of the class and I would have a different exam, and like even that, like I wasn't able to talk to them about the exam because it was a different experience for me, and it was a different exam, and like it was, yeah, it was a lot more different to actually talk to my peers and be able to understand and know what they were going through because Mm. I was in
0: a different situation. So it was more a social, yeah, kind of thing. But you did find the, the help exactly i helpful i
1: i don't at all regret having that help knowing what i know now like i'm so glad that i did have that help and that I was able to have that help mm. because um i think i would have been in a very different place
0: now if i wasn't able to have that help and mm. support but it nonetheless had an impact um yeah in terms of of you know socially and, and being aware and self-conscious about it
1: definitely yeah. but at the same time I think even in that position because I knew what was going on because I knew that it was helping me I knew that actually this is definitely worth doing it's mm. not something that I would stop doing because I knew that it would I would be worse off if I wasn't
0: able to have that support. so so what you're saying is that because we've been so open about it and talking about it and helping you to understand dyslexia you were able better able to cope with yeah the that impact
1: that it had on you definitely Mm -hmm. um we yeah we've always been a very open family um especially about like talking about neurodiversity and um understanding that actually sometimes you know it it Sometimes when things don't feel like it's going well, like, actually, we have so much to be thankful for because we have so many achievements and, like, just... We've always been a very much... Like trying to find the positivity, yeah. even Looking at in strengths as exactly. well as
0: difficulties. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of strengths that actually comes with um, the specific learning yeah, difficulties. exactly. Like the creativity and the art, yeah. and, and it's so important to to find that and focus on that yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. But it's yeah. Under, it's interesting to say that that aspects um, helped you to cope with the the social difference that it caused as well yeah. uh, and that awareness now when you went to um, secondary school there was a lot less intervention going yeah. on um, <laughs> or there was but um, yeah, it's better if you, if you uh, tell the story
1: <laughs> um, yeah so I did have um, intervention um, but I got into a lot of trouble because I started skipping them and not going to them and stuff um I think partially it was to do with not remembering that I actually had them but also (laughs) partially because I didn't really want to go to them anymore um yeah exactly I wanted to do my own thing I wanted to you know (laughs) be a grown-up and be able to make my own choices and stuff but actually um I think it would have been good if I did still go to them um but yeah it it was is how it is and um I think my I was very much blessed in my situation because um the teachers that I had within each each subject especially just before GCSEs they were so incredible with supporting me um I was in a very small school um and like the support that I got from my teachers was just incredible um so even though i didn't necessarily have those study skills support and everything anymore the teachers supported me so well that actually it mm-hmm. wasn't some of them was, especially yeah. went for training so that they can support me exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's why it's so important especially choosing a secondary school i know it's such a difficult time um as a parent mm. knowing that you know there's this massive jump between primary school and secondary school and like everyone talks about it and everything but choosing the right school that is able to support your child Mm. especially during GCSEs um, because um, like I'm, I'm sure this is something that we will talk about but like during my accessibility time as well like that was the support that I got from my teachers was absolutely crucial for me to be able to get to a point of being able to pass my GCSEs and actually do quite well. Mm. Um, but it's also
0: important to remember that for every single person, yeah. individual, the dyslexia will look different. And that's why it's it's important to choose. Just because a small school worked for you, it's not going to no. be the case for another yeah. child. Um Another child might thrive in a in a bigger school, um, but it also depends on the kind of support um, exactly. that the school has available. So, in yeah. making the choice for secondary, it's so important that you speak to the school um, about. But also
1: speak to the, the child.
0: That's it. The child's voice is yeah. so important in this because, in the end, it's them that needs to go through it. Yeah, um, it's they need to say. Your child needs to say whether you know, it's more important for them to have more opportunities for sport or it's more important that it's a small environment where they feel safer to actually approach mm. the teachers and have that time with the teachers. So taking that into account. I
1: think Definitely,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you went, um, well, just before you GCSEs, yeah. you went through another round of assessments. Mm. Um, can you tell us what, how did you find, how did you find that different to the... Um, previous rounds of assessments um
1: to be honest I don't actually remember that much of it I think it was like it was something that we'd sort of known quite a bit about by that point and um I I don't remember it as vividly as I remember my very first assessment um it was a very different experience it was a lot Mm. shorter and Um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm sure you would be able to tell us more about it being an assessor but like for me it was just like it was another thing to do kind of thing yeah. It it wasn't really anything particular or special or you know it was just uh, yeah, yeah so
0: just just um for our viewers sake just before you need to um apply for actually well before you need to apply for um, GCSEs. Yeah. You need to have a needs assessment, which it's, um, f- that can be used for applying for access arrangements for the exam. Without that, the child can't um, use it. But then also, the other thing with the needs assessment is that it needs to be the child's normal way of working. Mm-hmm. So there need to be a period of time where um, whatever has been suggested become the normal way of working for example extra time in exams need to be used during mock exams as well so that you can actually practice using that extra time yeah can you tell us why that is so
1: important definitely so I mean as someone um you know as as a dyslexic person that's been through GCSEs and everything um like, that was one thing that I had to sort of train for as such. Um, because when you're so used to having a certain amount of time and then you're suddenly given this extra bit of time, you just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, it's...
0: Sit and twiddle yourself. Exactly. <laughs> um,
1: and it just sort of feels a bit useless. Um, so, like, I remember um, when I did um, my exam... Like when I did some of like my very first practice exams, um, like we tried different environments and we did a lot of practice and like I even tried doing exams at home. But then we realised, well, actually, um, that's not very helpful for me because I need to be in the environment that I am Mm. in during an exam because it just made me stress out even more because I'd been sort of in my comfort zone and everything. So it's... Definitely like trial and error and basically just practicing and giving that child the opportunity Mm. to be able to use the access uh,
0: access arrangements and everything that they've been given. I know that some teachers wanted you to practice it on time using Mm. the, the normal time so that when you get the extra time um, that it would be a bonus yeah. but you just found out it, it just doesn't work like that no. does it because as you said I don't know what to you, you do with that you're still in a much of a rush you don't read your things properly yeah. you don't have the time to read over your work again and um, there's no point in having that extra time yeah so, yeah no that's fine um and then when you went on to sixth form um the picture changed again in terms of support yeah
1: um so I did an art and design BTEC um and I think it would have probably been a lot more different uh different types of support if I was in more of an academic subject um yeah. but I had a tutor that just kind of checked in with me in the mornings and just kind of you know sort of like oh how are you doing and you know are you okay are you coping kind of thing um are you keeping up to your deadlines yeah sure okay great have a nice day um that was sort of the extent of most of it um but I do know that when I um towards the end of my time at sixth form we had um an exam and yeah they did sort of taking consideration of my access arrangements and stuff but it wasn't really well done <laughs> Because I was supposed to have my own space, but actually all it was was they sort of t- said to me, "I can sit outside in the hallway with loads of other ex- yeah. <laughs> distractions so yeah, that awful. wasn't that wasn't exactly the best experience, but you know it is how it is um it wasn't that bad um and then yeah, and when it came to applying to university that 's when I really saw the support that my sixth form actually had because we had um like there were seminars for the parents of you know how to support your child of um for that process of going to university um and we had specific rooms set up um that people could go to and sort of say okay well I'm booking this slot that I'm going to talk to the teachers about um doing um my applications and everything so they were mm-hmm. actually really
0: good with that and uh just sorry just to give some context there because you need to do a personal statement yeah. for your um, university application that um, personal statement needs to be written in almost an essay format although it's about yourself but not quite about yourself you need to put it in a way that's not like i did this i did that yeah. i did that so it needs to flow in an essay format um it's it's quite a challenge as well and and that's why it's your first taster of academic language yeah exactly and and that's why it's really helpful to um go for that help if your school doesn't offer that help to find out where you can get that kind of help as well definitely yeah um but then moving to university there was suddenly a lot more support than ever (laughs) um and you actually initially got a bit overwhelmed by it yeah um so at first
1: I didn't really know much about the type of help that I would receive and everything. I think that's one thing that you don't really realise because up till now it's sort of been this thing of like, oh, you know, oh, the school does everything. School does everything. Parents do everything. You know, you don't really realise that actually now I need to take. Sorry, You're hit me. <laughs> <laughs> now I need to take responsibility <laughs> for my learning help. Um, so it was a bit of a process of actually oh okay now I need to take responsibility I need to go to the student wellbeing service and talk to them and then they were like oh well you know you need to do another exam and apply for your disability allowance uh, well yeah sorry it needs assessment assessment, it's very different And you need to, um, yeah, apply for your disability allowance and everything. Mm. Saying that, right, I'm making it sound a lot worse than it actually was. (laughs) Um, Like, the Student Wellbeing Service were absolutely ace with helping me and giving me that support and telling me exactly what I need to do. Um, So, like, definitely, as a university student, go and talk to them. Like, on on your first day, go and talk to them because that is where you're going to find your help that is where you're Mm. going to find your support when you're feeling stressed and you need to just talk to someone go and talk to them when you're not receiving the help that you need go and talk to them because even if it like they have the ability to go and talk to your tutors i mean obviously with your permission they have the ability to go and talk to your tutors Mm. and sort of say to them look um this student is struggling a little bit can you maybe just help them in this way and so like I mean obviously they don't have to um but just being able to have that support as um a dyslexic individual especially if you move away from home because then you know you don't necessarily have the support of your parents anymore so it's definitely worth talking to them um but yeah when I applied for I had all of my applications and everything done The um, tutor that I was put with, um, I didn't really click very well with, (laughs) and then I felt too bad to sort of say to her, Look, can I swap with someone else? (laughs) Um, But then, yeah, ended up basically getting my mum to help me with most of it. But
0: but it's not. From yeah. some of those mistakes definitely like rejecting I, the support and, and stuff yeah you've learned some valuable lessons from that so I, I wish that what... I didn't reject
1: the support as much as I did it, because yeah even though you want to feel like some you know you want to feel independent you want to feel like you have everything put together but as a dyslexic person it is so important to prioritize and to stay you know Keep make sure that you're planning everything and keeping up to date with everything that you need to do, and it's so overwhelming and stressful like, if you don't
0: have the right support and help. That's the thing because part of the difficulty is actually uh, the the working memory problem and the you know sometimes some yeah. of the executive functions that um, makes it more difficult for you to do that planning and organisation by yourself. Yeah, you're. Brain tells you that I'm intellectual enough, <laughs> I'm clever enough, I can do this. I got into yeah. university for all this. Exactly. Work. So I'm a grown yes, up. <laughs> you are. You are a grown yeah. up. You are um, able enough. You're not stupid in any way. But um, the reality of it is that there is a difficulty. There is a barrier. Yeah. And doing that planning and organisation means that you may not always have the best approach the most time effective approach and the best approach to organization
1: yeah but having that support just gives you also like it it just helps you for the process of what happens after university Mm. as well because it, it allows you to realize okay well you know this is what I struggle with so that means that you can then go and talk to your boss and be like okay well I just need someone to proofread my emails can you just like can Mm. someone proofread my emails so that um I don't have silly mistakes in my emails um but even just knowing okay well this is how I need to do my planning and everything so if you've had that support then you know how to do your planning Mm. and to make sure that you're staying on top of things um so it definitely helps you and sets you up to succeed in the future yeah so
0: it's it's like asking for a bit of help yeah makes you more independent in the long run exactly it's just getting those tools to make you more independent and as you say a lot of those skills are transferable into the workplace yeah um now, um, there's one final thing that I want to talk about, um, and that is comorbidity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big C. Um, we know that dyslexia seldom um, exists on its own. Yeah. There are always, not always, but in most occasions, there is another specific learning difficulty running alongside it. And often it can take years for you to discover that. So uh, would you like to share just a little bit about your recent um, yeah. discovery?
1: So we've had quite a bit of uh, research um, into like different disabilities and stuff. Um, and um, <laughs> recently we've been looking quite a bit into ADHD um, and realising that uh, it looks very different to what we are sort of used to and the sort of norms of ADHD which is how we see ADHD within men or boys um whereas it looks very different in women and girls um so yeah <laughs> I am currently on a waiting list uh for an assessment for ADHD um yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're not, we're not going to go into too much depth no. about that at the moment, but we would like to do another video where we talk about what ADHD yeah. looks like in girls and women um, and what sort of um, pushed you into wanting to go for this assessment. Yeah. What sort of traits can you see so that people can also understand what... Um, ADHD can look like in yeah. girls and women, as you say, it's very yeah. different to men. So, um, but thank you for joining yeah. us today. We hope that you found that helpful. Um, it is our journey. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's Christelle's story, but, um, maybe some of it can help you if, you're, if yeah. you if or, you or your child, um, are in similar phases, um, just to think about, different aspects of it and to mm. understand that it's normal and things go you do go through these things um yeah uh, it's not an easy normal within the neurodiverse community yeah so um, if you like our video please subscribe and share and um mm. give us a, a thumbs up if you if you like it so thank yeah. you for for your time and
1: um, feel first. free to also get in touch if you have any questions or Um, any concerns or anything um, we are a very friendly community Mm -hmm. and would love to help you thank you